0: You know, my church in New York, um, I'm not gonna preach from that. That's for later. My church in New York is primarily an Italian congregation. So they need a timer, a countdown for greeting time. Or else people will be like having lunch. Someone will open up some appetizers. There'll be like picnic blankets. And people will just start, you know, eating right there. Um, you know, but... Uh, I've learned that, you know, this church is a good 30 seconds, and then, you know, it's like, okay, we're ready, ready for the word, we're ready for the word, Um, but I'm so excited to be with you this morning, and we've opened up our back wing as well, which is exciting, so, so, yeah, all the introverts say amen, Um, amen, amen, a little space, you know, we're getting a little tight there for a few weeks, but it's good to have some space, it's good to make room for more more friends and, and more people to uh, join us. So before I open God's word, I want to I wanna pray over our message this morning. I always, uh, I always prayed that whatever comes from this pulpit would be truth. Uh, whoever speaks from this pulpit would be um, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, submitted to God, submitted to all of you, and submitted to the world, apparently. Um, so I was, I was assured that we have some people traveling uh, to Qatar uh, for the World Cup. And I was, they, were, they assured me that next week they would watch on live stream. So if you see on our live stream somebody tuning in from Qatar, that's, that's someone from here. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. The World Cup started today. Uh, I'm excited. Is anyone else excited? Yeah? All right. All right, I love the Spanish contingent. They're really uh, Ecuador is playing this morning. Uh, probably destroyed Qatar. I haven't seen the, store, the score, but um, I, I'm sure that happened. It's going to be fun. So I'll be up early, probably watching some games, and, and uh, I'm excited for World Cup. But I was going to pray. See, I got distracted there. That's why you need to pray before you preach. So let's pray. Let's get back there. Father, thank you for your word. Oh God, without your word, where would we be? Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your ways, Lord. Thank you for the ways that you work in our lives, Lord, through your word. Even in dark seasons, even in quiet seasons, you're still working. Even when we don't feel it, Lord, you're still working. Even when we can't hear, you're still speaking. We submit to your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're gonna we're gonna bounce around a little this morning, um, but before I get to to that, I did want to celebrate. So for OCC Operation Christmas Child uh, through the Tri Cities, we're a collection center, and so the boxes that came in from the surrounding areas, we had one thousand three hundred and fifty eight shoe boxes. Um, and I wanted to thank um, the team. So if any of the team are here from Operation Christmas Child, I know Ivy and Bob, Alvis, Corinne, Evelyn, Rachel, or Nancy, are any of you here? If you would just stand for a moment. This whole week, they have been here. Corinne, I see you. Yeah. Thank you, Alvis. Ivy in the back, and Bob. Thank you so much. Thank you for all your uh, serving this past week and, of course, throughout the year to, to make this successful. Well, the last few weeks, we, we looked at what do you hear? We looked at how do you hear? And this morning, I want to look at when you can't hear. When you can't hear God speaking. When you can't hear God's voice. This will be encouraging. I know you might be nervous, but this will be encouraging Um, By the end of the message, I hope that you will have takeaways for maybe a season that you find yourself in right now, or maybe a season you might find yourself in soon, or one that you've come through, and so I hope this is an encouragement. Today, I want to discuss three reminders and three exercises, three reminders when, when you can't hear, three reminders, and three exercises when we can't hear his voice. Turn with me to Matthew chapter six, verse 28 and 29. Our first reminder this morning, because we often need reminders in quiet seasons. We often need to remember what God has said or what God has done, and this is a great reminder. In life, winter seasons are normal. In life, winter seasons are normal and necessary. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now Jesus is talking about worry in this passage and whenever I read this passage, I always think of a flower in springtime. I think of a flower that's blossoming. I think of a lily when you you see it grown and you smell that fragrance of lilies that only lilies have. And I always think about a fully grown flower blossoming in springtime when I read this verse. But then something jumped out at me when I read this time. The thing that jumped out to me that Jesus was saying is consider how they grow. He didn't say consider how they look, he didn't say just consider how they smell, he didn't say consider them when they're fully grown and they look pretty. Although that's when we love flowers, don't we? we? We bring flowers home. We bring cut flowers home. We don't bring seeds home. But Jesus says, consider how they grow. And I began to think about lilies. And then I actually began to think about dahlias. Because we grow dahlias on our farm. And last year, Sonia planted 230 or so dahlias. I know a lot. Single bulbs, a dahlia bulb is called a tuber, and so we planted these single tubers last year, and they were beautiful. I mean, I love these flowers. I took hundreds of photos of these flowers, and we would cut them and give them to people, and, and we love the cut flower. We love the flower, but the flower grows from something. And what's important is actually beneath the surface. What's important is the tuber, the root. So after the season is over with the dahlias, we have to go and dig them all up. And we take the clusters of dahlia tubers and we have to wash them off, we clean the dirt off, and then we package them away in sawdust Dahlia tubers are, are very, they, they need the right temperature. They, they need little humidity, but a, but a little bit of humidity, but not too much. They need cool, but not too cold, because you don't want them to freeze. They're actually quite difficult to store. And so this morning, I, I brought some here to show you. And so these came out of our garden, and they're in sawdust here. And this is the root. I'll just come down a little bit. might be easier See, this is the root. I want you to show you something. Whoops. Oh, boy. (laughs) Sorry to those that are going to be cleaning that, which is me later, so (laughs) sorry to me. But originally, in the beginning of the year, there was one. There was one tuber, just one. One root. This root will grow into a blossoming cluster of flowers. Then beneath the surface, what happened was this actually multiplied into many different tubers, many different roots. And so what we, what we do at the end of the season is we take them out, we clean off all the dirt, and then we place them into darkness. We place them into darkness, and you know what they do in Darkness. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. They don't do anything. They're not growing. They're not toiling. They're not. They're actually just laying dormant. They're resting. But the amazing thing about dormancy is that somehow this dormancy is necessary. Absolutely necessary. Because guess what? Inside of all of these tubers, at the at the at the beginning of the season, what we're gonna do in the spring is, is we're gonna we're gonna cut these each off. Because each one of these tubers has what's called an eye. You might have these on a potato where you'd look at a potato and you'd see these these eyes that you kind of carve out before you cook them. But those eyes are actually the potential. The eyes are the new growth. And so what we'll do in the spring is we'll take a sharp knife after they've laid dormant and we'll cut them off and we'll plant those. And what's amazing is that inside of each one of these bulbs these tubers there's a full plant inside of those tubers is all the nutrients needed for the next season but right now guess what they're doing nothing they're resting so many times we don't know what to do in a season where we can't hear God So many times we don't know what to do when things are dark or things just seem dry or how come I'm not not feeling what Greg was talking about? I don't feel it. What is everybody feeling? What is this presence of God? I, I, I don't feel it. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that just because you don't feel doesn't mean he's not there. And just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not doing something in you. For the next season winter is normal and necessary and even when we can't hear God speaking it doesn't mean he isn't doing something within us if you're in a winter season and you're struggling to hear God speak don't strive Because it's impossible for a plant to be dormant and to bloom in the same season. The reason dahlias are so finicky is they can't be in temperature that is too hot. They can't be in temperature that's too cold. They weren't created for extremes. So usually they have to be taken out and stored, and I thought that's like us, and you might be in a season where you can't hear God, and I want to encourage you, it's okay, it's okay to not bloom, don't strive. Our second reminder this morning is God's power is made perfect in your weakness, God is not absent when you are weak or when you are in silence. Rather, his power is made perfect in your weakness. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine says this. The Lord is speaking to Paul. This is the the situation where Paul is talking about this thorn in his flesh. Everybody's been debating what is the thorn in Paul's flesh. Is it an eye condition? Is it a spiritual condition? Is it an emotional condition? Is it physical? Uh, we're not gonna debate that this morning. We're just gonna say this is the context for this verse. So Paul is struggling with something. He's carried it for a long time. And, he's, and, and the Lord says to him in this season, my grace, Paul, is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient. Interesting about that word sufficient. The word sufficient means to be enough. The word sufficient means to be content and to be satisfied. And the Lord is saying to Paul, Paul, I know you're going through this difficult season in your life. I know you're carrying around this thorn with you, Paul. But I want to remind you, Paul, that my grace, the Lord says, is sufficient. Find your contentment in my grace. Be complete in my grace. When I read that verse, I thought to myself, what is sufficient for my life? What is enough? Is God's grace enough for me? Or do I need God's grace plus this blessing, plus that new job, plus that new house, plus this this financial breakthrough, plus physical healing, plus my kids are all get A pluses in school and they're perfect. I mean, they're perfect, but come on. Like, what is really sufficiency? What does it really mean to be content? Contentment is often framed by feelings. But grace is not a feeling grace is a state of being grace is undeserved favor the Lord says my grace Joel is sufficient you see I'm a feeler anybody else a feeler you feel God right I want to feel his presence I'm I'm emotional, I, I talk with my hands, I'm Italian, I'm a feeler. Can you imagine living with me? You can ask Sonia. It's an experience. Because I'm a feeler, like right? I like to feel. I'm a hugger. Anyone else? A hugger? You got a hug? Feel it. Come on, bring it in. Come on. I know that you're I know you hate hugs, but bring it in. Feeler. But being a feeler is dangerous when you read a verse like, oh, my grace is sufficient, Joel. See, when I don't feel him, I can be tempted to think he's not there. But when I don't feel him and I'm tempted to think he's not there, Then his grace is no longer sufficient. When I don't feel him and I think he's not there, I've added something to grace, to my contentment. And the Lord says to me, Joel, My power in your life is sufficient. It's made perfect. It's made complete in your weakness. This morning, we're going to imagine that this is a bench press. When I imagined I would use this at home, I thought the bench should be a little bigger. (laughs) But we're going to go with it. And I'm going to need a voluntold person if... Greg Nelson would bring his fine self up here. I just, I gotta, yeah, <clears throat> exactly. So I'm, this is Greg Nelson, everyone, missionary, back from France. Um, bonjour, uh-huh, that's all I am. I just go, huh-huh, and then I think I'm French, huh-huh, hey-huh, huh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. 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 Okay, now that we've gotten that over with. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay down, and I'm gonna be bench pressing 150 pounds, okay? And I'm gonna do it 10 times. And so you're gonna be, Greg's gonna be my spotter. Okay, so do you know what a spotter is? He's gonna help me when I can't, if I fail. Now, I don't think I'm gonna fail, because I can lift 150 pounds, no problem. And we're gonna imagine that there's 150 pounds. Some of you are like, why don't you choose a higher number? I'm a realist. <laughs> so um, So I'm going to start bench pressing, OK? Oh, it worked. Kind of. OK. All right, ready? So here we go. I'll get one. OK. Two. Uh, three. No problem. Four. Five. Uh, six. I don't need you yet. Seven. Okay. I'm doing this in my own power. 8 Oh boy. 9 I got it. I got it, God. Oh. And then 10. I got this one. I don't think I need you. But uh, need you I need you oh his power is made perfect in my weakness thank you thanks Mom. you see see I thought I could do it on my own and I can attempt to to do it on my own And I can work up a lot of effort. But the point is, is that we can't do it on our own. And what happens, interestingly enough, is is in our failure, in our weakness, his power Is made complete. His power is invited into my situation. When I'm doing it on my own and everything's fine, and I I can do it, I think I can do it, I can control it, I can I'm not reminded that his grace is sufficient. I'm not reminded that in my weakness his power comes. And so if you are in a season when you can't hear, he will come and he will spot you in your season of quiet. Weakness is the building block for some of the powerful moments in our life with God. Weakness. In fact, weakness is a part of the most powerful act in all of history. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two, verse five to 11, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus, who was God, Jesus, who is God, did not consider God something to be held on to. Jesus made himself like us, weak, weak, God made himself weak. God made himself obedient to death. This is God. At any moment, Jesus could have proved that he is God. At any moment, Jesus could have shown them. He could have changed their minds. He could have changed all of their minds in the Roman Empire. He could have changed the minds of the Jews. He could have done anything. He spoke the earth into creation. And this is the way he's going to show that he is the son of God? This is the way? The way that he's going to show that he is the son of God is to come down and become like us? That's a ridiculous plan. The way that he's going to prove that he's the son of God is to, be, to make himself weak. To become obedient to death and to die. But what happens in this weakness of Jesus? What happens in this weakness of Jesus is the power of God raises him from the dead and gives him the name that is above every name. Because as Jesus becomes obedient to death, he defeats death. Because in the kingdom of God, it's an upside-down kingdom. Weakness is one of the most powerful acts in all of creation. And why? Why did Jesus do that? Because in our lives, that's how it works too. It's only in failure. His power is made strong. Jesus, an innocent man and creator God, becomes a misunderstood criminal. In the emptying of Jesus, we are filled to overflowing. In the humbling of Jesus, we are given a robe of righteousness. In the weakness of Jesus, we are made strong. In the death of Jesus, we are given life. What do I do when I cannot hear his voice? I trust him that his power is being perfected in my weakness. Our third reminder this morning is sometimes the sign of God speaking comes after you've made a decision, you know the saying, hindsight is 20 Well, God's prophetic words over our life can also fit into this category. Last week, I shared the story of how I uh, came out to Trinity Western University and I met somebody on a subway in, in downtown New York City and overheard, you know, he overheard our conversation, and th- that was a sign beforehand that I was to come to Trinity. But now I want to share about a sign that comes after you take the step. From Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, 8, and 12. This is right after Moses has this encounter in the burning bush. Spoke about that last week. You can go back and listen to that sermon. And this is right after that. Then the Lord said to Moses... I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Mosquito Bites. Making sure you're listening. Start naming ites and people drift off. And then in verse 12, the Lord says this to him. But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. This is interesting. The Lord says, I'll be with you. And here's the sign that I'm with you. That I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Let's look at it again. Hey, Moses, this is the sign that I'm going to be with you and that I've sent you. When you get back to this mountain with the people, that'll be the sign. If I was Moses, I'd be like, can't I just wheel around the burning bush? Like, can't I just take that bush burning? You're speaking from it. Can't I just wheel around that burning bush? Like, can't you just talk to me through bushes and trees from now on, God? Like, why do I have to wait? Have you ever wondered this? But this happens in our life all the time. We come through things. We make decisions because we're forced to. We've asked God for direction and we don't seem to have heard from him. So we have to make a decision. We make the decision. Years later, we look back and we then see the signs along the way and the pieces that fit into place. Sometimes God looks at our life and he goes, you know what, Joel? How about you just make decisions and I'll show you later. And later, I get to later, and, and when, it, when we read here, you know, the sign will be when you've brought the people. When, when Moses brings the people back to this place, which is Mount Horeb, it's also Mount Sinai. So when Moses gets back to Mount Sinai with the people of God with him, he goes up Mount Sinai and gets the Ten Commandments, he gets the, the law, and he comes down for the people. And that moment, after he's done all of this, going to Pharaoh, delivering the people, wandering through the wilderness, all of that, all of that wandering, they get back to Mount Sinai. Now the Lord says, that's the sign that I sent you in the first place. Man, Moses is going on a lot of faith here. But I feel this in my own life. I go through situations and I don't hear God speaking to me. I don't hear him directing me. I don't hear him guiding me. And then years later, I look back and I say, oh my goodness, look how God was putting the pieces into place, how he was leading me and directing me and guiding me. Has anyone else experienced that? And so while we're talking about when I can't hear, just keep going. It might make sense next week, next year, 10 years. I was going through my office and I found a journal from 2015. I won't share the details of my journal. That's between me and Jesus and a few others. September 10th, 2015. And I read this, it was a hearing God moment because I put hearing God... September 10th, 2015, and then I read it, and God showed me the season we're in as a church, back then. Back then, I thought it was a peculiar thing. I wrote it down. I heard him say it in prayer, so I wrote it in detail. But when I read it, actually read it a few months ago for the first time, God was like, now you see. Now you see that I was with you and I was speaking to you and the pieces that I had to move into place for the season. And it's almost like it's almost like this whole time the file has been downloading (laughs) from 2015 to now. Like for seven years, the file's been downloading and I'm supposed to open it now. And when I open it now... Seasons when I didn't know that he was speaking or think that he was speaking or feel that he was speaking or I asked him a 100,000 times similar questions. It was just like, and he showed me all the moments and pieces of the puzzle that he was putting into place. And so even when I can't hear I journal, I write things down and it could be for the next season that I realize what it was. Now here are some practical exercises which you already probably may know but I'm gonna share them anyway. Our exercise number one is to offer a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 and following. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Praise is not emotionalism. It's a sacrifice Praise is a sacrifice. That means I offer my sacrifice of praise when I don't feel like it. To understand the posture of my soul in praise starts with the reason why I praise. The reason why I praise is not to feel goosebumps. The reason why I praise is not to receive something from the Lord. That, those are byproducts. As a feeler, I feel. I get goosebumps. But those are byproducts. That's not the reason I praise. The reason I praise is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, I praise him as a sacrifice for his sacrifice. So I sacrifice how I'm feeling. I sacrifice what I look like. I sacrifice what I might be going through at the moment. I sacrifice it, and I offer him a sacrifice of praise. When I can't hear him, I offer him a sacrifice of praise when I don't hear him speaking. And guess what? When you can't hear and you praise, it's a sacrifice. But if I only praise Him for what I want to feel, I become the object of my worship. if I only come to church when I want to, then I am the center of my worship. And I'm basically worshiping my own feelings. But to offer him a sacrifice of praise. God, I can't hear you, God, but I praise you. God, I'm sick and I've been sick for a long time and I, I think I'm gonna die, but I'll just praise you, God. These loved ones, they, they're not coming to Jesus and we've already lost some that never came to you, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer you, God, in this moment, in this time, in this season, when I can't hear you, I'm gonna offer you a sacrifice of praise. I'm gonna praise you, Jesus, for your sacrifice Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross <laughs> read Gethsemane he's praying in Gethsemane and he's crying so profusely in such heavy anxiety that his tears are drops of blood and he says to the father is there any other way And the father says, no. And then it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't enjoy the cross. God's power made perfect in your weakness. The reason I praise God is not because of emotionalism, Conformity or transaction. The reason I praise God is because praise is a sacrifice. And I praise him for his sacrifice. And such sacrifices, when I don't feel like it, are pleasing to God, even if they're not pleasing to me. Second exercise is remind yourself of the times when God did speak. I'm gonna go through these last two quickly. This is John 15, 26. I think it says John six. That says 14. My note said six. It's in John, we're sure of that. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. He will bring to remembrance. In my Bible, not this one, my other beefier one, I carry around in my Bible prophetic words that people have said over my life. I have a a little Ziploc bag and I have prophetic words that people have said over my life. I underline in my Bible... I date, sometimes I journal, sometimes I text myself. I've been writing notes to myself at different moments throughout because now in a digital world, you just send a quick note to yourself. If God says something, I write it down. I, if somebody comes to me and they say, I have a prophetic word for you, I record it, audio recording. And I do all that because in seasons when I can't hear, I go back and read what I heard. I go back and review what God has said. In seasons when I can't hear, in seasons where it's difficult to hear or I can't feel God, hi kids, it's so good to see you, hello, I remind myself of what he has said. And lastly, I'll I'll leave you with this, is don't isolate when you can't hear. Even when you come to church and you can't relate, don't isolate. Even when you come to church and everyone else is experiencing God in certain ways, but you don't seem to be, The worst thing you can do is separate, isolate, stay home. Because sadly, the enemy will always attack lonely sheep. Jesus left the 99 for the one because the one was alone. Hearing God in the nation of Israel was always a communal event. It was never isolated to just one person. It was community. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's a community event. And so I'll conclude with this. When you cannot hear God's voice, remember the past and rest in the present. The season will pass. Whatever you do, don't isolate. The enemy will always attack lonely sheep. Kids, I taught them about something today. Do you know what this is? What do you think this is? A potato? what What is it? What is it? What is it, Anya? Anya should... A root? Definitely not a vegetable? So it is a root, that is correct. It's the root of dahlia flowers. And each one of these kids, each one of these will cut off in the spring and we'll plant them in the ground and they will grow to be their own flower. Isn't that pretty? And so what I was saying today is sometimes we can't hear God, like sometimes we don't hear God speak and sometimes it's hard to hear him and sometimes it's like, God, what'd you say? And that's okay, it's okay to not hear all the time because God is doing something beneath the surface And he's doing something in your lives, kids, too, beneath the surface, deep inside of you. He's planted this root of the Holy Spirit inside each one of you because he loves you. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I know. If you were here for the whole sermon, you would have really kind of gotten the whole picture. But I can sense your excitement, though.